Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Christmas at Milestone. It's a uh, great, great morning. Excited that you're here. I love moments like this. I love the Christmas season. I love Christmas songs. I love the lights. I love the smells. I was told maybe I got a little over on the smells when you walk in. People ask me, what's that smell? I'm like, it's a little trade secret. I can't tell you, but I'm telling you, I love it. It's just, every, I just, I love this season. And, uh, you know, in these moments, we're all looking for moments of celebration. We're looking to create memory. We work so hard to create memories and moments like that. We're looking for a little bit of joy. Uh, this past week, ladies, uh, we celebrated with you. We had our joy event this past uh, Wednesday night, and it was an amazing night. This room filled with all sorts of women just celebrating the Lord. We had uh, hot chocolate. There were, I'm going to tell you, it was real special because you had tacos and nachos for the after party. Anytime you can get tacos and nachos, you know it's going to be a powerful night, okay? I'm just telling you. And so uh, it was just an amazing time. I think one of the highlights that was really, really amazing was this. Uh, what was really neat is every year at our joy event, we take a minute to honor our single moms. And we take time to go, we want you to understand and know that you're seen that you're loved, and you may feel like the last place that you're going to be seen and loved is here at church. There's times where sometimes people walk in going, well, what are they going to think about me? They're going to judge me. What it? No, no, no. I want you to know you're seen, you're loved, we value you, we showered them with a gift, and uh, just honored them. And here's what was really neat. I mean, the message from uh, Brandy was amazing. Uh, the worship was great. The after party was fun. But I heard from so many women how that moment honoring our single moms was the moment that really impacted them. And uh, that was what was really, really exciting because it wasn't just single moms going, hey, this impacted me. It was other women going, that moment was the moment that did it for me. And it's amazing that we take that time. And, and oftentimes people will ask me, Pastor Chris, well, what do y'all do for men? I mean, we have all these events for women. What do you do for men? And really what we've done through the years, I know uh, this has been a part of who I am for the last 21 years, but from the very beginning when Pastor Jeff started uh, Milestone Church as our lead pastor starting in Keller, it was to disciple and develop men. And so through the years, we would do small groups and what we called development groups. And uh, we would take time to just invest and pour into men. And, and over the years, what has happened really actually over the last year and a half, we've actually taken time to actually stop and compile all of the resources that we've used and that Pastor Jeff has used to develop men. And so we've taken that moment and in doing that, we actually compiled it into a book. And you may go, well, why are you talking about the book? Because as we started conversing and communicating and talking with our single moms, there was one single mom that asked one simple question that really honestly led to this last-minute idea and thought for Wednesday night. And she said, I know the book is for men, but I've got a teenage son. And, I mean, there's just kind of an absence of male figures in, uh, in, in their life. Could, could I get a book for him? And so we decided last Wednesday night we gave all the single moms free way to win books. So if you're a single mom here, you weren't able to be with us at Joy, but you're raising a young man, you can go. We have the books here. You can go pick up one for free. We want to make sure we put resources in your hand to help you raise up these young men. And so while it may have been a book for men, it's a great resource for you to take and start using 
even with your, uh, with your teenage sons. And so it was just an amazing time. It was an amazing moment just celebrating with the women and honoring the single moms. And it was just an amazing, amazing night. And so I, I love moments like that. I do. I love the Christmas season. It was great. Again, like I said, we're all looking for these moments, right? I think Alex, I don't know if he said it this service, but he said it last service. I was like, hey, that was actually pretty good. He was like, I always say Christmas doesn't really start till joy is here, our joy event for the women. And it's true. It's like you're, you're looking for these moments, right? You're looking for when are we doing joy? And you're going, when do we light the, the tree? And there's just something about it. There's just something about the, the traditions. And we all have traditions, Right. And and you know what I'm talking about when it comes to tradition. You have different traditions for your family, traditions that you do for uh, birthdays or for Christmas or different things like that. And I'll say this about traditions. This is one thing I'm learning now is you better make sure you're committed to the tradition you create, because if your kids really love it. They're going to make you keep doing it even if you don't like it, okay? Now, don't tell my kids this. I'm sharing with you. But about four years ago, we were in New Orleans. We were staying in a hotel because we had to. So it's Christmas. And so I bought a little three. I found it. Like, I was at Walgreens. It was like the scraggly last tree that was there. I was like, I'll take it. How much is it? They're like, $500. I was like, give it to me. Not really. It was like, you know, it was like the display or something. I took it put it in our hotel room. We put the gifts under it. Well, we get up the next morning. We, we, want, we want, okay, breakfast. And we weren't going to eat breakfast in the hotel lobby. So there was an IHOP right around the corner. So Christmas morning, we went to IHOP. We had pancakes. They had like Grinch pancakes. You know, it's like green, fro- or, uh, not frosting. It's like uh, whipped cream and all this stuff. So my kids love it. So now, guess what? Here's the thing. The challenge is now every Christmas morning, we're like, kids, let's wake up, and dad will make breakfast, and mom will do some, we'll, you know, we'll do stuff. And they're like, no, we want to go to IHOP. I'm like, it's like, I don't know. I mean, it's like now we're committed. So if you want to know where I'm going to be Christmas morning, I'm going to be at my local IHOP off 380. You can come join me if you like, because that's where my kids want to go, because now it's a Christmas tradition by default. So you think about these traditions, and and some of them you love them and you like them, and some of them you're like, man, I wish I would have picked something different. I mean, I was like, man, why we couldn't have picked like Ruth Chris for breakfast? I don't know. Did they have a did they have a brunch or something? You know, we got IHOP. You know, I was like, no, we got to do it. Well, it could be worse. You know, it could have been somewhere else. I won't say. No offense to anyone who works at IHOP, owns an IHOP, or any other breakfast uh, chain around. We love them. Thank you. God bless you. Okay, it, but it's like you think about that. I, I'm reminded of. of traditions and and you know I think about birthday traditions that's kind of fresh on my mind because my little girl Willow just turned eight this past Friday and uh, you hear me talk about Willow often she's the one with the ears if you ever see her headband ears always with the ears always always someone asked me did she have her uh, ear headband on for her birthday I said you bet she did she got one for her birthday she was wearing that one okay and so we had this kind of little tradition we let them pick like do you want pie or donuts or cookies or cupcakes for for your birthday to celebrate willow wanted cupcakes this year and i started thinking about cupcakes because cupcakes if you're like into cupcakes they've kind of taken a just kind of a, a a resurgence over the last few years i mean they've stepped up their game i mean you think about it i mean essentially a cupcake without icing is just a muffin so it's like a lonely muffin that just said, I need to step up my game. Boom, let's throw some uh, whipped cream, icing on top, whatever it is. And, and now it's like cupcakes, they just like, I mean, it's like, we ain't, I remember back in my day, mom and dad just went down to the grocery store, got whatever they had, that's what you got. 
and the options were vanilla or chocolate. You got real fancy if you had the little funfetti sprinkles on top, and that's about it. I mean, you were high level if you had that. Now, you look at cupcakes these days, they're like gourmet. You got cupcakes, they got mounds of icing on them. They're massive. You got all sorts of flavors. You got chocolate ganache. I don't even know what ganache is. What does that mean? You know, you got, you know, it's like peanut butter, and it's infused with this, and you got red velvet. and Like, we did an event here one time, and it was... Uh, the guy was like, hey, well, what kind of cupcakes do you want? I was like, you got vanilla and chocolate? We're like, well, we got this and this and all the guy. I don't even know, man. Just give me the top sellers, okay? It's like you go overboard. But here's the thing about these cupcakes. You ever tried to eat one of these? Hey, you know what I'm talking about. You know where I'm going. Like, you full on, I mean, it's like this much uh, icing on top. You are full on going to break your jaw trying to bite into that thing, or you're going to end up with icing on your nose. But I got a little life hack for you. You ready for this? Little life hack. You just take it, you unwrap it, and you rip the bottom off, stick it on top, smash it down, squish it. There you go. You got a cupcake sandwich. You're welcome. God bless you. All right. Your Christmas has been made. All right. Listen, because if not, what happens? The expectation of what you think, oh, this cupcake, I have this expectation of what it's going to be like. And then you go to bite into it, and icing's all over your nose, and you hurt your jaw, and you're like, how do I chew that? How do I eat this thing? What am I doing? It looks so amazing. Am I supposed to eat it? Is it just supposed to be on display? It looks phenomenal. What do I do with this? There's this gap between the reality and the expectation that you have. And you may go, well, all right, what's the point? Why are we talking about traditions and Christmas and cupcakes and icing. You see, when you think of traditions, it's kind of like the icing on the cupcake. There's great traditions that you have, and I, and I want to encourage you, keep the traditions. Keep doing the traditions with your family. Keep adding to the traditions. Make lots of memories because really the traditions are the things that we're trying to work so hard to create because they create these moments. Decorating the tree and having hot chocolate and music playing while you're doing it. Whatever it is, going to IHOP Christmas morning. Whatever it may be, they're great. But at the end of the day, the traditions are just the, ice cr or the icing of what's happening. It's nice and it's great, but it's just the icing. You see, we have a lot of what when it comes to Christmas. A lot of the traditions and the things that we do, but what I want to talk about today is the why. Why Christmas? Why? What, what is it about the Christmas story? What was the why behind the what? And as, as, as we begin to unpack this together and look at this, I think sometimes we don't even really realize the why. I want you to open up your Bible, John chapter 1. We're going to get there in, in just a minute. But when you think about all these things and why this is so important, it's important because when our traditions are disrupted, we have to understand the why. And for many of you and many of us, our traditions have been disrupted this year. Things didn't look the way they, we wanted for them to look at Thanksgiving or after Thanksgiving or as we're leading into Christmas or whatever it may be. But when you understand that traditions, they're great, they're awesome, you should have them, you should make them, you should create memories when you don't realize it's just the icing. 
then what happens is our world gets turned upside down because we don't truly know the why. Now, I want us to look at the Christmas story because the Bible actually doesn't say a lot about the Christmas story. I don't know if you, if you really realize that. You think, well, how does the Bible not say a lot about the Christmas story? I mean, it's about Jesus, and it's like from the Bible. It is. But I, I want you to look at, at the Gospels where we get the Christmas story and, and give some context and understanding to what we're about to look at so that we understand the why behind Christmas. First, we, 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 we're going to look at Matthew. Matthew it speaks of Joseph and gives the details around Joseph, and it, it talks about the wise men, but that's about it. And then it moves on to, to the Israelites coming out of Egypt. You, you look at, uh, at uh, Luke. Luke has the shepherds and the manger in Bethlehem. And this is where we get the majority of the Christmas story that many of us know. If you're used to, as a tradition, reading the Christmas story with your family, you're reading from Luke, this is where we get the most, and here's the reason why. Some of you may not know this. Luke was a, a doctor, a physician, real into details, right? So the reason it's so descriptive is because that's the guy that was, was watching and listening, and you're getting this from his perspective. You look at the, the book of Mark. Mark actually doesn't say anything about it. But the reason is is because it's thought that Peter, who was closely connected to the apostle Mark, that it was actually Peter's perspective on what happened. Mark is writing from Peter's perspective. Well, Peter, if you know anything about Peter, Peter was all about, let's get to it. Let's get after it. Let's go. So if you read the book of Mark, you know what it does? Boom, jumps right into the ministry of Jesus. That's it. It goes right into it. Okay? But then you look at John. John was very pastoral. And John had a different perspective. John was also the one that, that he self-described himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's the other thing. You know, it's like... Matthew, Mark, and Luke didn't say John's the, only John said, hey, I am the disciple whom Jesus loves. The other guys were like, man, be quiet, man. They, 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 you, know, you ain't going to find that in, in Matthew, Mark, or Luke, okay? But John was very pastoral, and John is taking this word, and he's going, I want you to get the why behind this right here. I want you to understand that the Christmas story is more than just traditions. It's more than just simply uh, uh, good news and, and, and simply, you know, all these things, goodwill towards men. It's more than those things. You see, something was happening that was transformational. Something was about to transpire that would impact the course of history and that would change our eternity forever. It's, it's this transition from the Old Testament, as some of you know it, to the New Testament. And it's not saying that the old is now obsolete. It's just saying that God is now coming and there is a new way. And so John, in chapter 1, verse 9, starts out here. And, and I want us to look as we read this. You start in John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into this world. Here's a unique thing about this verse. This is actually where we get the principle of Christmas lights. This is the origin of that. It, it ties back to this. And I love, if there's one thing I love about Christmas, it really is, it's Christmas lights. I love it. There's something about like when all the lights are off and it's just the tree that's lit and like it's like the tree is glowing. Ah, oh, that's my favorite. It's like lights around the house and it's just the house is lit up and glow. I just love the light. This is what this is tied to. And so here is the light. Who is that light? His name is Jesus. 
In verse 10, it says, he, came, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him. Remember, Jesus was there at the beginning. When God the Father said, let there be light. When he spoke into the darkness and created the heavens and the earth, Jesus was there. The Holy Spirit was there. The Bible says that the Spirit hovered over the dark. So Jesus was there. And yet, what happens? Although he was there and, he, and, and the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. I want to encourage you, we've talked a little bit about this, that, that in this season, especially during Christmas, is as, as amazing as it can be, it's also a season and a time when so many people feel isolated and lonely and discouraged and depressed and not seen. That was one of the things that when, when we honored the single moms, we said, I want you to know you're seen. And not like, oh, monster in church sees you, you're seen because God sees you. That gift you're receiving is from God. We're just being an extension because of the generosity of Milestone Church. We're able to honor those single moms in that way. But you're seen. You may be in here today. You've walked in those doors and you're wondering, am I seen? Do people see and really understand and know where I'm at and what I'm walking through and what I'm experiencing? And I want you to know, God sees you. Jesus sees you. And Jesus experienced that himself. Came into a world of his own. He was there at the creation, yet they did not recognize him. They did not know him. Verse 12, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, that's what Jesus did when he came to this earth as a baby, lived his life, three years of ministry, died on the cross for our sins, is that we may have a relationship with God the Father, becoming sons and daughters You see, there's a gap. There was a gap between us and God. There was distance that was there, and Jesus came in, and he closed the gap. Verse 13, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the Father, full of grace in truth, now I want you to leave this scripture up here. I want, to, I want to dial into just this last part here of verse 14. This glory that is seen. You see, right here is the why behind the Christmas story. That people would see glory, receive grace, and hear truth. It's not the traditions, although keep them and have them. It's not all the things we do, and it's not all the lights and the trees and the gifts and all those things. Those are good. That's awesome. Do them. But the why behind the what is that people would see the glory of God. And he came. How? He came as a baby. His name is Jesus. That they may receive grace through Jesus. That they may hear the truth. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It's when we experience that, when we experience life in freedom. This is the why behind Christmas. This is it. Now, you think about glory. What does that mean, glory, the glory of God? How do I? Well, when you look at the, that word in the Hebrew context, the original word, it, it is in the Hebrew, it's kabod, which means weight. Now, that word kabod actually has a, uh, like a commercial type of, of connotation to it. So the, the word picture is actually a scale. So it it means weightiness is actually what it means. There's this weight to it. And during that time, 
what, what, what the, the reason it, it had the context of weight is because whatever had great weight had great value. The more weight it had, the more value it had. And so this weight, that's what it means to have glory. It's this weight that you feel, that you experience, that you see. The glory of God, it's his presence. In fact, oftentimes associated with the word glory is the word bright. You'll hear about bright or you'll see cloud, which is, which is kind of similar to when you think back, if you know the story of Moses. Moses leads the people out of Egypt. He goes up to Mount Sinai to meet with God. The cloud, the glory cloud as it's called, is there. That glory cloud, it was actually called the Shekinah glory. That's what it was called. What does that mean in the Hebrew? It actually means to dwell with. So what it was is here is a God who is not far off, who is not distant, but is coming near to dwell with you and me because he loves us. He sends his son to close the gap. And the why behind the what is so that you and I can see Jesus. We can see his glory so that we might receive his grace. And what's his grace? His grace prepares us. It softens our heart to hear the word of truth that it may transform us from the inside out. You see, this is what we're all looking for. This is what we want. Even in society today, this is what we're wanting to feel and experience His presence. You know what I'm talking about. Because there have been times where you've come in here on a Sunday morning. Or maybe you've been making your commute driving and you got worship music on and you're talking to God and you're praying. Or maybe you're at home and you're praying and you can feel the presence. There's this weight. There's this presence. What is that? It's the presence of God that brings transformation, that heals up the brokenhearted, that brings freedom to the captives. That's who Jesus is and that's what he does. It's in his presence that there's fullness of joy. You know, it's interesting, I saw, again, and it's not just us, I want us to see, this is what all of us in society are looking for. There was a Gallup poll, I saw it, uh, I was looking at it even again yesterday, there was a Gallup poll that was taken. And it was taken, and it measured, and it was, it was looking at the mental health of people, and how they've grown, or, or how they have uh, uh, just kind of shrank back, and how things have become more difficult between 2019 and 2020. The only group of people that had growth in their mental health were people that went to church regularly. That was it. Now listen, there are many people and many whom I know personally that aren't able to attend. And again, when we live stream, we are one church, multiple locations. So when we live stream, we're live streaming from our our, uh, main campus in Keller. And so Pastor Jeff, our lead pastor, is on there. And they're like, man, Pastor Chris, the message is great. Pastor Jeff was awesome. Can you also send me the audio from, from McKinney? Absolutely, yeah. And so we're staying connected. And they're involved and they're engaged. They were doing Zoom United small groups through the course of this season. Because they legitimately can't be in the room. And so I'm not saying what I just said out of condemnation to them. I'm not saying anything about anyone you may know that hasn't come to church. I'm just simply giving you the data. And that's what the, I didn't do the survey. The Gallup poll did the survey. As far as I know, I don't know if any of them that did the survey are Christians or believers. But they're recognizing the people that actually have seen growth and change in their life have been the people that are weekly getting in the presence of God. And attending church regularly. You see, the Christmas story is the summation of all three of these things. Seeing the glory of God. 
receiving grace and hearing truth. You see, think of your loved ones. Who do you want to know and experience the glory of God? Who are you believing for and your loved ones and your friends and your family, your neighbors? You're going, if they could just receive grace and hear truth, how it would impact their life. You see, we all want it, but if we want it just for ourselves, we miss it. But when we want it for somebody else, we benefit from it, but they do as well. You see, there's a part that each of us play this Christmas. What is God's heart for Christmas and what is the part that, that you and I play when it comes to Christmas. Well, well, I think the first part that we play when it comes to Christmas and, and the part that you and I play in God's heart for Christmas, I think the first part is, is really prayer. And you may think, well, prayer, I mean, come on, Pastor, I mean, obvious, hello. I mean, shouldn't we all pray? Yeah, but prayer is a first response, not a last resort. What would happen when we start praying? I love Colossians chapter 4. I love what it says Paul's writing Colossians 4 verse 2 says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and thankful heart. You see, when we pray for other people, it impacts us and them. We begin to see people differently. What, 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 it's really hard. What would happen if you started praying for your neighbors and your friends and your family members? It's really hard to stay mad at people when you're praying for them. You know, you may have that neighbor, okay? And listen, when I'm saying praying for don't go Old Testament prayer. Like, God, send fire from heaven. You know, they're just unrighteous. Burn them up, Lord. Okay, I know, all right? I'm not talking like that, okay? Don't go OT, all right? A little New Testament, like, that's Old Testament prophet, right? You know, like, let's pray, like, pray for your neighbors, love them. And it's really hard to stay angry at people when you're praying for them. You begin to see them differently. And what could happen when you started praying? You see, when we pray for someone, our heart begins to change. And what happens is when we pray on behalf of someone else, their heart begins to change. But here's the second thing I think you can do is invite. Invite. Now, now invitation is a major theme all throughout the Bible. Now, I, and I want you to get what I'm saying. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Oh, invitation. Okay, this is... I knew it. This is marketing 101. They're just trying to get more people to church. No, it's a premise all throughout the word of God. You look back at Matthew 22, there's actually a parable of a king. Jesus is telling a parable of a king that he's throwing a feast. He's throwing a party. How many like to party? We all like to party. I like to party. I love a good party. Okay? And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and compel them. Invite them to come in. He says, go out to the highways and the byways and bring them in. There's an invitation that happens. You see, the power of an invitation can transform generations. You want to know how I know? Because I'm a product of it. You see, you, if you've been at Milestone at any amount of time, then you've heard this story before. But I'm going to tell you again. Because it means something to me. I was sharing this past week, 34 years ago, my life was transformed. Because when I was eight years old, a couple, a young couple that was younger than my parents had the courage to walk across the street and invite my mom and dad to go to church. And they did. And because they did, they ended up giving their life to the Lord and getting saved. And from that point on, from eight years old, 
I was raised in a godly home, and I'm standing up here as a pastor, preaching the gospel, talking about the power of an invitation, because a young couple who didn't really know my parents that well had the courage to walk across the street and just simply invite them to come. That is the power of an invitation. And so my life was transformed, my marriage was transformed, my kids' lives and the environment they are growing up in was transformed. Did that couple know that 34 years ago when they invited my parents? Probably not. But that's the power of just stepping out and going, God, there's a part that I play. Should someone just get to be able to see your glory, receive your grace, and hear truth, their life, their family's life, and generations can be changed because of one simple invite. But we all have barriers. We all hear, you hear this, you go, well, this is why it doesn't apply to me. You think, well, well, first thing, well, it's not really my personality. I'm not like you, Pastor Chris. I'm not like outgoing. I'm not like that couple. I'm, not, I'm just going to walk across the street. Well, listen, we make it real easy for you. There's yard signs. You don't got to say anything. Just put it in your front yard. That's all you got to do, folks, just driving by, just driving by. Some of you, you can bake. You know how to cook. Okay, well, make something. Make some cookies. Put some invites in there. Go knock on the door. Step back six feet. Put your mask on. Wave and just take off. I mean, you could just knock, leave the car there and run. I guess you could. I mean, just, you know, ring the doorbell and go, hey, kid, send your kids out. I mean, they run in the neighborhood anyway. Just, hey, why are you running in the neighborhood? Just put some cards on the neighbor's, you know, door, you know. Listen, the power of an invitation. The power of an invitation. You may go, well, what? I mean, they're not going to come. What if they don't come? They won't come. They won't come. They're just not going to come. I mean, if I ask them, they're just not going to come. Well, you never know unless you ask them. Yeah, I mean, you've talked yourself into not asking them because you're convinced and assuming that they won't come. You're so, you'd be so surprised how often people would come just by you saying, will you come? You think, well, well, what if they ask me questions and I don't have all the answers and what do I say? Listen, it's less about information and persuasion and it's more about relationship. Just simply go, hey, w- would you be willing to come celebrate at a Christmas candlelight service with me and my family? I mean, what's the worst I could say? No. I mean, are you, are you re- if they say no, and I mean, if it really impacts your life, it's okay. I'll pastor you through it, okay? I can counsel you through it. If that, like, just derails you, it could, okay? I'm not minimizing it. But if you really are like, man, I just got rejected. They said no, they're not coming. Okay, we'll talk about it. I'll pray for you, okay? But think about it. You don't have to have all the answers. All you have to do is just simply say, would you be willing to come with me? There are people you have a relationship with, but by the power of a simple invite, they would come. Now, now here's another one. Well, they're not, they're not going to come because it's, it's not safe. And, and you know, w- what about the crowds? And listen, this year is different than any other year. It certainly is. But we want you to know we're taking, and we have been since we started regathering in June, to take every precaution necessary to create an environment that is welcoming, that is safe, that is clean, do our best to socially distance. We provide masks. We encourage you to wear a mask if you'd like to wear a mask. We have uh, hand sanitizer everywhere, and we'll do the same. And not only that, what we've done is we've increased the amount of services we're going to provide. So we're going to start December 20th. Here's our, our service times. December 20th. We'll have our normal, regular Sunday morning service times, 9.30, 11.15, okay? And then we're going to have two services, Christmas Eve, 3 p.m., 
5 p.m., all right? There's going to be amazing worship. I'm going to share a message. We are going to also have an opportunity to hear from our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff. And so it's going to be an amazing time. We'll have this candlelight celebration moment. So many memories that are created around that moment. And listen, I'll encourage you. Some of you, you're like, you're all about the crowd. You're like, give me all the crowds. I don't care. Let's go. You know, you're like, give me all the hot chocolate. High five, everyone. I hug. Okay, that's awesome. Some of you are like, less of that. Okay. I'm good with being here, but I don't want to like hug people and high five people. Okay. Well, I'm going to encourage you. I'm just going to be honest. 930 and 3 p.m. will probably be less attended services. And typically on a Sunday morning, 930 is a less attended service. So if you're inviting someone that's going, I don't know, I'm kind of hedging about the crowds, come to 9.30 or 3 p.m. Because there'll be more space, more room. we got room in the balconies. We are going to do everything we can to be prepared for you. Now, I want you to know something. Because some of you know families and are connected to families that just aren't ready to gather just yet. They, they, they uh, have a immune-compromised family member, or they themselves are, and so they're watching online, and they've been watching online. They've been a part of Zoom small groups. So one of the things that we're doing, and I've already talked to three or four families that I already know this is where they're at, and I stay in close contact and communication with them. We want them to know they are still a part of this family. This is a family moment. Just because they're watching online, it doesn't have to be. We may be separated by distance, but we're, we're, we're united in heart. And so we've actually created an online box for them, an online experience box. There's a mug, there's hot chocolate, there's the, the kids' activity in there. We've got candlelight uh, candles in there for the candlelight moment. There's actually a Christmas card from Pastor Jeff as well. We have all these. We're going to be taking these to their home. We're going to have them come. They can come by and pick them up if they'd like. But listen, if you know of someone that's like, man, they, they, they just do not want to come in the building. Okay, you come as a family to one of the services. But pick another service time. Let me know. We'll get you one of these boxes. And they're okay with you coming into their house. Then you take one of these boxes, go into their house, and you have Christmas at Milestone with them in this box. Why do we do that? Because we want to remove every obstacle possible for people to see the glory, receive grace, hear truth. That's the why behind Christmas. And then here's the last thing. Real practical. For you to be a part of what God's doing is you could serve. Many of you are already serving, but some of you, you may not have started serving or been able to serve. Listen, you go back to that parable in Matthew 22. If you've ever thrown a party, how many of you know when you throw a party, it takes a lot of hands to execute a good party. And listen, we're creating a celebration for people to experience Jesus. This is not about volunteerism. This isn't about increasing the volunteer numbers. It's about giving you an opportunity to partner with God to create an environment and experience in a moment to serve other people so that they may be, those other people that have been invited, that they may be able to see the glory, receive grace, and hear truth. In fact, made it real easy. If you're not yet serving, but you want to serve, and you hear us talk about next steps all the time, 101, uh, Discovery 101, Serve 201, Values 301, maybe you haven't had the chance to do that, but you still would like to serve, you can go online, and if you go online and you scroll on the app or on the website and you look for this graphic right here, there's a little button there, and you can hit Sign Up to Serve. Just fill out that form. You select the McKinney campus. We'll get in touch with you so that you may go, man, I love to serve with my family. 
I love to share with my kids. You know what? Me and my family, we love to hold the doors open and greet. I mean, how awesome would that be? You as a family do that. And then you come in here and you have your candlelight moment together. Whatever it may be. Why? It's not because we're looking to add to the volunteer numbers. We're creating an opportunity for all of us to be able to be a part of the why behind the what. I want to encourage you. I'm going to pray for you here in just a minute. We're going to pray for our services and many that are going to be invited over the next week or so. You start thinking about all the people that are going to come to the Christmas services and you start thinking about all the people that maybe have come to Milestone over the last year. At some point and in some moment, they felt isolated and alone. But because someone was praying for them, because someone invited them, because they experienced someone serving them, when they walked in the door and and you're thinking, well, I'm just standing here opening a door, does it really make a difference? The smile that you give, the welcome that you give, you meeting someone and remembering their name and connecting with them after service, the power and the impact that that has, it brings them to a place of experiencing the glory of God, seeing His glory. Not anyone on this platform or anything we do, they experience the presence of Jesus. They have an opportunity to receive grace and hear truth. We all know someone that doesn't know Jesus. What could happen if we simply started praying for them, invited them, and served them this Christmas season? It could be like me. If we just have the courage to walk across the street, a life, a family, and generations are changed for all eternity by the power of prayer, the power of an invitation, and the power of serving others.